The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. And hello and welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show, covering all the latest and greatest in the world of PlayStation, and maybe some other stuff this week, uh, but we'll get there in a sec. I am joined, as always, this week by Jada Griffin. Hello, hello, everybody. Spidey time. I, I love it. I have I'm of course blocking all of the Spider-Man stuff in my view, so the camera can't pick any of that up. So I'm I appreciate you you uh repping that while I'm, I I'm rep- doing a bad job. I gotta represent, you know, the the uh friendly neighborhood spider, you know. That's what I do. You, and when you do it, you do it well, Jada. <laughs> uh, I am not even wearing my I'm not even wearing my shoes I normally wear with an outfit like this. I have like shoes that go with it and everything. There's a full on there's red suede pants like you could have told us you it's were everything. It's everything we wouldn't have known i know I but i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna show <laughs> off so either way <laughs> for for the audio listeners jada is in full spider-man uh regala it is just spider-man not head to toe i guess as you've now revealed but i'm gonna mm-hmm. just pretend it is we're also joined this week by mark medina we did it dornbush we did, we did it buddy we yeah. did it we woke up to the wonderful news Ben Stiller, friend of the show, tweets out. Best pal. There it is. Severance season two. I'd like to think we had something to do with this. I do I'd too. Like to th- I like to- Ben Stiller watches Beyond every week and goes, you know what? These 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 folks seem to really like Severance. So there it is. Official season two. Not surprising. Very exciting. This week for such is- an amazing show. Yeah. It's so good. This week is the finale, and I, I can't wait. I've never I, I'm so so excited for the finale and and now i'm excited for the year later when we get to do this all again because yeah <laughs> it, it is apparently already filming so i do think we're gonna only have to wait a year it's not gonna be one of those terrible like netflix you have to wait like two years in between oh shows gosh. i think we'll we'll get it soon enough i am so excited for uh why am i blanking how do you say exactly. you're excited for something and then you blank on it <laughs> um russian doll and I'm like, when mm, was Russian oh, yeah. Doll season one? That's like that's pre-pandemic. Like, like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's so long ago. <laughs> yeah, Russian Doll, also another mind-bending, twisty, wonderful show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm so, so happy. I genuinely, I know like maybe people think it's a bit that we've just been joking at Severance at the top of the show. Please go watch that show if you can. We <laughs> legitimately mean it. Use your free months of Apple TV Plus that PlayStation has given away and go watch Severance because it is so good. 
Yeah, I, we just started C last night. I, I swear to God, this podcast actually is an Apple TV podcast. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's because I slept on the service for so long that now that now mm-hmm. we're kind of going through. Has it, have have anybody watched C? I haven't I done haven't that one. Yeah, it's That's the Jason Momoa show. Yeah, it yes, starts yeah. a little weird, but people who are are fans. Hey, here I'll bring it to relevance. If you're fans of something like Horizon, you'll kind of like it because. The setting of it is post-post-apocalyptic. It's centuries after the apocalypse. And basically what it is is, like, nobody can see. Nobody's been able to see forever. There's only 2 million people on Earth. And, like, even the thought of, like, vision is, like, hearsay. Nobody in the show can see. There it is. There's the B-roll. And so you can see, like, none of none of them have any vision. And so it's really cool because it's, like, it's, like, very tribal and stuff. But then all of a sudden they'll talk about, like, uh, you know man-made smooth mountains and stuff like that like tall mountains Mm. and stuff like that and you're like oh buildings right like they they kind of it kind of has that horizon-ness to it where it's Mm. it's so far removed from what we know as humankind that they've kind of just like have their own interpretations of what things were because they don't actually know To to bring it even more around it's kind of like our audio listeners and how they can't see us when they're listening to the podcast it's true you're you're we just you're essentially li- for you're, you're living a show. <laughs> you're living I, a television show right now. <laughs> I will say, uh, I don't know if C is going to continue because I did just read that Jason Momoa got cast in another Apple TV show. But mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I I swear. Also, hashtag not Ned. None of this is not. I, I just want to make that clear. We just really. <laughs> I swear to God, it's not. <laughs> um, it is very funny, but um, we do, of course, have some PlayStation stuff to talk about this week as well, in addition to do our love know? of severance. Um, well, you know, PlayStation may be quiet. There's some other news. There's some stuff we're going to talk about this week. I'm sure the big PlayStation news will drop in, you know, two hours after we record. Uh, I do want to finally mention, because I did mention this a few weeks back, and I accidentally made myself a liar. Mm-mm. I said our email was working again. It wasn't. <laughs> it's gonna be Bad a running boy. joke. Bad it's gonna boy. Be a running joke. <laughs> there was an internal snafu, unrelated to. I guess not unrelated to me. It was actually the fault of. Uh, there was a typo in our database for my email where mm-hmm. Jonathan was spelled differently, and so I was not getting any of the emails because of that typo. So mm. that was fixed, and now I am actually able to get beyond emails. And I would really like to read your emails, please. If you've written in the past six months, forward them back to it. I don't care about my inbox getting full up. I am deleting anyone who signs the account up for random newsletters that I don't need. No, thank you. I'm going to move those away. But please write in with your PlayStation questions, your memory card stories. I haven't had access to them for so long, and I'd love to read some of those on the show. Uh, And also I'm putting out a call for uh, a specific sort of group of emails if you want to write in with them. Uh, Over the next few weeks, we were talking about this in the planning of the show. Uh, You know, we have this sort of like fun middle ground time before the new PlayStation Plus library is revealed, all 700 plus games. Uh, And we want to go through and talk about some of our favorite games that we think should be on the service when it launches. Uh, And we also want some of yours. Uh, So we're going to go through sort of console by console and, you know, even though there's going to be a launch day list, it might come out in, in this in-between time. They could still add serv- games to the service, so we're, we're going to talk about it, you know, nonetheless, even if that list comes out. But we want to hear what games you feel like need to be essentials on the PlayStation Plus. 
uh, lists that are not part of the essential tier because the naming convention is bad. Uh, well, so our, please, <laughs> our ahead, thought Mark. process for it was: if we start now, we'll get like PS One and PS Two out of the way because those are the ones that like are more wish listy. Because by the time you get to like PS Four, you can easily find PS Four games, right? But yeah. like to to play PS One games, like these are this is kind of the only way to sometimes play some of those older games is through a service like this. So I, I feel like the wish list is a little bit more important. Where you're like, oh, this PS Four game didn't get on there. That's fine. I'll go buy it from GameStop for twelve dollars. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's PS One, PS Two, and especially PSP because PS One and PS uh, P are not on PS Now in any way. Like we can kind of guess at some games that'll transfer over, but those are wide open lists. So we want to talk about the games we're really excited and hope will be on there, but we also want to know about the games you're most excited for. So um, yeah, I think with maybe the subject line PS Plus wish list that might work well. Write in with the subject line PS Plus wish list to beyond at ign.com. Uh, and I will now actually get those emails. Uh, you can also, of course, write in with beyond uh, to beyond at IGN.com. I know, I hope. Uh, with the subject line, <laughs> memory card. <laughs> memory card for those memory card stories that I would really love to read on the show as well. Uh, and then maybe some other stuff we'll talk about later in the show you can email in as well. But if you just have general questions or PlayStation subjects you want to talk about, uh, please write in. I did test the email several times. I have been testing once a day just to make sure it works and sending myself emails or asking people on staff to send me emails. So, so far, it's still working. It's not like we're an <laughs> internet company and need emails to work. It's fine. Uh, anyway. Thank you. Thank you for everyone who has been writing in. And I apologize that you haven't had your voices heard on the show in a way that I wish that they were. Um, I kept trying to figure out this problem. And then it wasn't until someone showed me the database typo that I understood why this was happening. So hopefully, hopefully it all works now. Uh, but with that said, we are going to talk about uh, sort of a a PlayStation 5 games uh, kind of deep dive thing. You know, 2022 has been a really exciting big year already, and we're about to hit, I think, a little bit of a dry spell, at least in terms of what we know that's coming out. So now that we can, like, pause for a second, take a look back, uh, we want to talk about some of the, our favorite games from this year in relation to our current best PS5 games list that we have up on IGN. So we're going to talk about that a little bit further into the show. But before we get there, I do want to touch on some news from this week that has happened. Uh, and I'll start with, I think, probably the most recent thing, which is that a new Tomb Raider game was announced. It will be done by Crystal Dynamics, who, of course, did the Tomb Raider trilogy reboot uh, of Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Uh, this was announced as part of an Unreal Engine 5 showcase. Unreal Engine 5, of course, being a very... Unreal Engine being a very popular development game engine that's used to build all the wonderful games we play. Uh... Tomb Raider will be one of the big flagship games using UE5. There was nothing shown from the game. Crystal is going to be working on it. Uh, we don't really know any other details about this. And we were kind of talking before the show, and Mark, I'll just start with you on this, because we were sort of talking, it's exciting because Tomb Raider is a very fun franchise, but we don't even know if it's set in that trilogy universe, if it's a new thing, if it's going to go like off the rails. We just kind of don't know anything at this point. Yeah, uh, the Luddington verse, we call it, because you know, it's, yeah, it stars uh, Camilla Luddington. Uh, yeah, I love that trilogy, but I think by the time Shadow kind of has that, um, what is it, Arkham Origins kind of thing to it, where Shadow mm. was made by a different developer than the first two, and Rise was so good that Shadow gets a little bit of uh, unnecessary hate, I think, sometimes. <laughs> I really like Shadow the Tomb Raider. Um, oh, I don't hear anybody. Yeah, if Jonathan's talking, we can't hear you right now, bud. Your, your you microphone can auto me. mic. The, there we go. No, there you are. You. There we go. No, I was I saying that Shadow was Eidos, right? 
believe so. That yeah. sounds right. Um, um, anyway, Jada, I just know ahead, I just know it wasn't Crystal Dynamics because they had moved on. Yes, to correct. Avengers by then. Um, but I really like this game. But I also just really like this Lara Croft and. But at the same time, I would not be surprised if if they feel like it's time to move on from this trilogy only because it's like we have three of them i don't think she's as beloved as something as like nathan drake so i don't know if people are like really really wanting more of her i personally would would be totally fine with it but i also would be totally fine if they're like this is a new laura croft it is a is a, a completely new reboot i would be fine with that as well but yeah as of right now we don't know anything about it um but it's still exciting because Tomb Raider is a franchise that has evolved in such a way that it has become really, really like beloved by fans. And so to just to hear that we're going to get another one and that it's being made in Unreal Engine 5, these, these games are already gorgeous. So the fact that we're getting another really, really pretty one with this new engine is uh, very exciting. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I 100% I, I agree with your point on Rise, Mark. Like... Rise, I think, was the best Tomb Raider game that they've made in a very long time. I feel like the pacing for the the gameplay was was uh, was improved from the the original uh, release. I feel like it had more tombs, it had more puzzles, which is really, I mean, that's the thing everybody is wants more of in these Tomb Raider games. And I feel like Rise really kind of nailed it. I wish there were still more, um, but I think I think we all have that feeling almost after every Tomb Raider game. It's like I want more tombs, I want more puzzles to solve. Um, Whereas, like, you know, this one kind of slowly moved into that more action phase because, let's face it, a lot of games during the time of this one's, these de this trilogy's development started moving that same kind of thing. Like, hey, we're going to be more action-oriented. We want to be faster-paced. Like, we're moving away from this slower, more, you know, I don't want to say thought-out, more thought-out process, but it's like a different play, different play style. Um, and I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a different Laura in the next wave of games, um, because I believe just about like every one to two generations, um, we see Laura kind of rebooted. You know, there mm. was what was it? it was like I think Legend and um, what was it? Underworld was like a separate one back in like the 360 era, and now we have this one that was like PS3, PS4 era. So it kind of makes sense with PS5 era. We're kind of going to move on to a new Laura, but we'll see. How uh, or Lara, however you pronounce it, mm -hmm. wherever. <laughs> I know there are people who are the comments are already it. ready for you. They're already it's, ready. It's um, Lara Croft. I've it's written Lara. them already. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, Jada. Yeah, like go, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was gonna say yeah. That, I mean, that's kind of my point. Like, I feel like I think we're going to get a new, um, a new Croft. I'm just gonna stick with her last name to be safe because <laughs> I, mean, I can't pronounce words this morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think we're. I'd be more than happy to see more of of the Ludington verse as long as we get more of the the Rise style of gameplay. I loved the DLC in Rise. Like I think the whole Baba Yaga um, portion was amazing, and um, I feel like the DLC. And I know it's like kind of weird to be like comparing DLCs between games, but Shadow, where Shadow really lost me was in its DLC because most of their tombs were their DLCs were tombs, but it was like speed run this kill as many people this fast a time and i'm like I'd, I'd rather just kind of be challenged by a puzzle versus for a game that is about raiding tombs than um having to just speed run and kill a bunch of people and get from point a to point b um there's it's totally a welcome like addition but i don't want it 
I didn't like how it was the primary focus. Yeah, Shadow Shadow's an interesting one, not just because of the developer divide, but I felt like there were some really great mechanical aspects of it. I think sort of the mm-hmm. like the open hubs that they did that you could then go out and explore a few points worked well for the like exploration focus bits of it. But yeah, when it started to get into the, like the speed testy stuff, I didn't love that. And I also mm-hmm. think that story retread too much ground like i think the 2013 reboot granted it was at that time when like everything was doing a gritty reboot and so it did it but i thought it it did it well and i thought rise added to it well but shadow just felt like it retread a lot of that ground it was just Mm -hmm. sort of going over the same emotional beats that lara had already gone through and i didn't feel like it added anything um into making her sort of the tomb raider that people know and that the the arc of the trilogy seemed to be going for so yeah, I like I wouldn't mind if there's even if it's the same Lara, if it's a big time jump at least to mm-hmm. kind of move past that because I do think a different mode, a different style. Like there is a long history of Tomb Raider being weird and wacky and having dinosaurs and like there's supernatural stuff mm-hmm. in that trilogy. They can mm-hmm. get weird and fun and big again, and I don't think that would be a bad thing. But they could also still retain, I think, a lot of the smart advancements they made in that trilogy. Um, yeah, I do think it's like background. it's like. Tomb Raider kind of paved the road for modern day Uncharted. And then Tomb Raider then took the cues that Naughty Dog did with Uncharted and made the new Tomb Raider. But both of those st- both of those are like established series now that, yeah, it's kind of like you're not really doing anything new if you just keep making Tomb Raider games and um, without evolving anything, right? Just, just another, just the fourth game in the entry. And it's kind of the same with Uncharted, I think. I think they kind of hit this point where they're like, Uncharted 4 is great, but like, does it do anything that the previous ones don't do except for give you a rope swing, right? So it's kind of like, they have to have time to kind of like reinvent, uh, you know, reinvent a few things. And and also, I just want to mention that Uncharted 4 is my favorite Uncharted, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think 4 and Lost Legacy are excellent, but it, it is a thing of like, wherever the next one goes, I do think it needs to be a little bit of a departure there as well. And the same with Tomb Raider. And, like, the thing that I don't love about Uncharted consistently is probably the, like, is it supernatural? No, it's not. Like, we know that twist. It's happened enough times. Mm-hmm. I, I want them to do, like, to move past that twist as a focus. And they did get toward doing that with 4, four and uh, Lost Legacy. Um, getting a lot into pirate sort of stuff with 4. But, yeah, Tomb Raider does lean into it. Tomb Raider does get supernatural. So yeah. go go lean into it. That would be fine with me. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. Um, I am getting, I have PlayStation tweet notifications on, so I keep getting notifications just in case anything major happens. Any good uh, sales but, going on right now? No, there's a, a weapon is back in Fortnite, and we'll talk about that later. But Ooh. before we before we do, just to to mention, uh, to close the, the loop on Crystal Dynamics as well, uh, Days Gone's uh, director, Jeff Ross, who, who left uh, Ben Studio, uh, has actually joined Crystal Dynamics. He doesn't mention what game he has joined officially, uh, which team in terms of what game he's working on but uh he's joined that studio uh and and is working with them crystal is very busy and so it's a very interesting time for them because they've they're co-developing the perfect dark reboot with uh the initiative for xbox they're now working on a new tomb raider and then avengers is just kind of out there in the ether um it hasn't gotten a new character since spider-man i think one of the last like villain sectors they added was just another taskmaster villain sector and he's you know been in the game since the beginning I assume these new projects probably don't spell good things for Avengers having more of a comeback. Um, 
I, I think the player count is so low and I feel like yeah. I feel like if anything was going to like revitalize it it would have been this like Spider-Man thing but the last big piece of content they did was for Black Panther. Spider-Man was literally just a character oh, yeah. which was he was, he was console specific. Right because it was like this is you know he's arguably the most famous Marvel character ever and it's like maybe they made that decision because he was PlayStation only, but yeah, it's very strange to be just be like, and here's Spider-Man and you're just kind of like, okay, well you guys seem to not have much more faith in this game. So neither do I now. <laughs> so I assume that game is uh, not got much left long, longer to live. <laughs> yeah. I've seen some rumors that apparently like lady Thor is coming to Avengers, but I mean, at the same time, that's just kind of like, they're doing the whole Hawkeye and um, right. Hawkeye. <laughs> Hawkeye and Hawkeye. They're just yeah. basically doing it. Uh, you know, Kate Bishop. Uh, they're just doing that kind of thing again, which for me as a player, somebody who platinumed Avengers and has put hundreds of hours into that game that first like six months that the game released, it doesn't really do anything to draw me back in when I'm seeing just another character with the same powers. I want to see some variety. Give me like Ant-Man. Give me uh you know anybody else really just like don't give me another reskin of a of another character obviously no, i'm not saying lady thor is a, is a uh reskin but you get what i mean like the powers are too similar to one another to you know make me interested to go back um and i played so much of that game um it's... i really go ahead go ahead sorry I was going to say, I really liked the game when it came out. It was it was really solid. It's just there was yeah. nothing to do once you finished the campaign and you maxed out all your characters and their gear. It's like, okay, where's the end game content? Like, I just grinded for all this stuff and I have nothing to actually put it to the test. And like, granted, they added the Black Panther DLC. They added the, the Hawkeye DLC. They added all that stuff. Um, but I just wasn't, even those were just kind of very middle of the ground for me. Um, and I love Black Panther, but it just really just was not enough to keep me going after that yeah I, I played like maybe two hours of the black panther dlc and thought like the characters were really great like the performances mm -hmm. were excellent i thought the the way they built wakanda was it was like very beautiful and, and like yeah. the, the architecture and everything they put in there but like yeah once you get past the aesthetic of it it is just that game and it sucks because mm -hmm. there is such a good core combat like i do really think they got really great fundamentals of combat in there and i do think the storytelling in the campaign was strong they just didn't it it's a game that should never have been a live service game and that's obviously not a new hot take it's just one of those right. things where it's like it's such a bummer to see this play out slowly over time because it's like mm -hmm. everyone sort of identified the problem from day one and i they obviously were probably beholden to plans and infrastructure and systems in place mm -hmm. but it's just such a bummer to see because there's clearly smart ideas there just buried under a a structure that doesn't work but yeah, if you, you know, look at if you look at the lead up to that game, you can you can look and you can tell like they kind of knew. I remember they were very like hesitant to show certain things off, and when there's a lot of hesitancy there, and that um, what's the Golden Gate sequence was like the only thing they showed for such a long time, and then mm -hmm. it was like now there's a demo, and it's the Golden Gate sequence you've seen a million times. You you kind of knew that there was going to be a little bit of, and I agree with Jada. Like I thought the game was pretty fun, but there's so much better things to be playing right now that I would, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm not going to dedicate time to that game. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens with crystal as time goes on, but yeah, they, they have some very exciting projects in the works. I wish Avengers had been better than it was, but we're 
we'll we'll see what sort of either sunset or if they try to revitalize it. Who knows? Maybe Crystal is just very, very busy. This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half-Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. For the next few years. Um... Moving on from that, just to briefly mention, uh, since this happened pretty much right after we recorded, but uh, E3 is officially not happening this year, uh, either in person or uh, digitally. They had announced it wasn't in person earlier this year and then had sort of left it vaguely open that it might be digital, but it, it clearly wasn't going to be. Uh, we're, we're only mentioning in passing one because the news is about a week old, but two, PlayStation hasn't been at E3 for the last few years. Uh, not just the year E3 didn't happen, but also, you know, uh, they left 2019 onwards, so E3 wasn't probably going to be a big deal for PlayStation outside of third parties anyway. Uh, it is interesting because it, again, opens the door like wide open to what this summer is going to look like for events. Obviously, IGN has announced its summer of gaming already, so we'll, we'll be having 
uh, reveals and, and things uh, throughout the summer coming. Uh, so stay tuned for, I believe, more details on that to come in the future. But yeah, we're, we're sort of out in the open of where things can go from here. None of the major players have announced uh, events. Gamescom is still happening in August. I think THQ Nordic just announced another August showcase. But, yeah. you know, June... <laughs> May, June, July, really open. PlayStation has held a state of player showcase the last few Mays, so I think May is not an unreasonable time to expect maybe something from PlayStation this year, mm-hmm. but we don't know. Yeah. We have no idea. <laughs> Something's going to happen. I, we Like you said, we're doing our Summer Game Fest, and that's in conjunction with Jeff Keighley's... Uh, no, we're doing Summer of Gaming. We're Summer of Gaming. Don't, come in, on now. In conjunction with <laughs> Summer Game Fest. Um, but there, there's there's like, there's like one thing that needs to happen this year, right? So we got Breath of the Wild got delayed till next year, right? So they don't technically need an E3 to show Breath of the Wild since that's spring now. They'll have to show it eventually, but doesn't technically have to be E3. But the big thing... I know this is a PlayStation podcast, but the big thing is Starfield. Nobody has seen Starfield, right? The gameplay yeah. for that game has not been shown because they're going they, they're going to do the Fallout and Fallout 4 yep. and Fallout 76 thing where they haven't shown anything and then they're going to do a huge blowout during the summer. Yep. What's that look for? I just you're forgetting one thing that's also big. What? That is relevant to the show. No, I know. I was going to get that. Okay. I was going to get Okay. That. What <laughs> you're what, like what, the what one I'm, thing. <laughs> no, no. So what I'm saying is, well, Here's and I'll I'll get to that and that's why it's a little ambiguous still uh, ambiguous there it is, um, but yeah the normal Bethesda thing is that they have to show the game before its November release. The reason I highlight Starfield is because for one that's Bethesda tradition to not show the game and then do a big blowout and then be like also you get to play this in three months. You're referencing God of War. God of War does not have a release date yet. We do not know for sure that that game is coming this year. It's probably coming this year, but we do not know that for sure. And if Sony's recent trends continue, there is a chance it does not come out this year, mainly because oh, they totally. don't really seem to care about having a big fall release. So I think yeah. I think people think, oh, well, they, they have to show off God of War because they need a fall game. No, they don't. They, they, this would be like the second or third year in a row that they didn't have a big fall game. If anything, they'll wait for spring to compete with Breath of the Wild. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but same thing. If God of War is coming this year, they're going to need a showcase for that as well, right? Um, it could just be a state of play, but I feel like that that's something that they would want an actual full-on showcase for with God of War being the last thing that they show. Um but yeah, I E3 has been a thing even before uh even before the pandemic. We were like E3 is like kind of feels like it's on its last legs kind of deal and like yeah. people started pulling out. So the fact that the pandemic came and kind of killed it is not a surprise. They say they're going to be back next year. They said last year that they would be back this year. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember I have lots of fond memories. I did probably like seven or eight E3s prior to joining IGN and I mean it's a great time. Uh, but it definitely, you can see the downward trend based on decisions they made, you know, whether it was, or accidents that happened, you know, uh, between the, you know, raising the cost of space in the, uh, in the location for booths. So like pricing out smaller developers from getting their game shown at E3, which was used to be kind of like the Mecca of getting your game exposed to the masses. Um, and then, you know, the, the accidental doxing of all the people who had signed up to go a couple years back, like there, there was a lot of, 
I don't know if it's technically doxing, but releasing of information to be, you know, 100 percent correct. It was accidental doxing. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, <laughs> it, and so, but yeah, like there's just there's been a lot of issues, and so like the writing's been on the wall for a while for E3, like like Mark was saying. Um, but you know, I, I do hope that they come back because there's. I feel like for especially us who've been in the industry for a while now, gotten to go to E3 and experience it. Like, I feel like it was a really big kind of like bucket list turning point for us in our kind of our careers to like be able to go and experience something like this. And so I really hope it does make a comeback for all those newer, younger generations and hopeful journalists and game developers that want to go and experience this, uh, this, you know, previously magical experience. And so I really hope they do get their, their act together and, bring it back so yeah uh, i hopeful I, go ahead mark i was gonna say the biggest regret i have for e3 what because i've been to every e3 since 2015 until it shut down and uh my wife started working at ign she didn't go to her first e3 she started working mm -hmm. here in 2018 uh and she didn't go to e3 that year but then she went in 2019 oh. and it was just it was so busy and it just wasn't a great mm -hmm. e3 and that's you know no no offense to anybody who who went just to go but like by then it was more than open to the public so it's like incredibly busy um and we ended up just not really going to the show floor at all which is always like a thing ign has you know a lot of us have appointments where we have to go to the show floor and do things but then there is a whole team that never has a reason to actually go to the show floor we just stay in the war room um but they've always been really good at giving people time. Everybody still gets a badge and they've been really good about giving people time to go. And we just never found the time to go. And I feel bad because we, we never, she never got to really, really see it mm. too, too much. And now it's just like this thing that like doesn't exist anymore, but yeah, I mean, it could exist again. That 2019 E3 is such a bummer for, for those who, um, were there for those who didn't see it basically there's one hall where it used to be microsoft nintendo and playstation all together yep. in one hall and it was just like that was the sort of both halls were really fun to be in but because of the excitement of all that first party stuff literally being like inches from one another it was really exciting to be there but in 2019 playstation had you know jumped out of e3 so they weren't there at all and microsoft because they purchased the theater across the street from the LA Convention Center, which used to be the Nokia theater and whatever, it's now the Microsoft theater, they purchased that and just put all their stuff in there. And so half of that showcase, half of that show floor in that hall was like Duracell batteries and energy drinks and just wide open space. And it was that thing of like, this isn't what I think people think of when they th think of E3. And so it, I almost felt bad for seeing so many people come in and I'd be like, go to the other hall. Cause it's at least a little more packed, but mm -hmm. yeah, like, you know, um, I think to both of your points, the problems with E3, I like, I think something like E3 can and should exist in the States. I, I, I think we can see that Gamescom has kind of come up in, in relevance to sort of fill that hole. I think something like that can exist in, in the United States or in North America. The problem is the management there. Like I, I don't have faith in the current way that E3 was being led that that same leadership, unless something changed could fix it. Because at the end of the day, that was kind of the problem was as JD, you were saying the, yep. the leaking of information, the exorbitant prices for people, like all of that stuff com like compiled with other problems that were going on just created this sort of ramped up sort of death walk for E3. And it's such a bummer. And then, yeah, you have stuff like EA play, uh, which also went across the street for two days and left. Um, mm -hmm. And so you, you, you continue to have that, you know, slow 
rollout of people leaving. So it was a really, it was a bummer to see. I would love an event like E3 to exist as an in-person sort of celebration of gaming in the U.S. for people to go to. Obviously, there's stuff like PAX and whatnot out there. But I do think something like that, that is this concentrated focal point for the year, is really, really fun and exciting and incredible. But I do also think it needs to probably come from another place. Um, That said, obviously, whenever PlayStation does do an event this year, we'll be covering it on the show. And and Mark, to your point of God of War could could definitely get delayed because we don't know about it. I could argue maybe Starfield could slip if, if, you know. Who knows? But I would, the thing about God of War is I don't think that precludes it from having a showcase this year because they did do that Horizon state of play last year and then ended up delaying the game or in 2020 and then delayed the game to 2022. Or was it 2021? They did it some year the year before. It, it, yeah. it came out. It was so anyway, supposed to come out in December 2021. There we go. Thank hit, you. And then hit um, February. And there was that state of play in May of 2021. And then the game came out in 2022. So we could see what is happening here. Oh, okay. The, I was sorry, everyone. The B-roll came up and it was Jamie yeah. Kennedy. And I was very surprised. <laughs> um, anyway, God of War, I assume we'll get something of it, even if it does get pushed next year. But yeah, we're, we're waiting on Sony's announcements for things and we'll report on them when they happen. Uh, but speaking of, of PlayStation you know, plans for the future. There were some comments that I just briefly wanted to mention. Uh, Jim Ryan had an interview after the PlayStation Plus announcement on the PlayStation Blog Podcast. I wonder how they got him. Um, He showed up on on that podcast, which if you haven't listened to is actually a really fun show. I I do enjoy listening to it. But Jim Ryan appeared on it, talked a little bit about their plans, um, and two points that I want to, to bring up just to reiterate it for people as it's sort of been discussed before, but is worth just keeping in mind. Uh, Jim Ryan definitely said, like, there are more PlayStation acquisitions to come. Things are definitely going to keep moving in that space. He said, quote, We're in a really good place with PlayStation Studios right now, and we have been for the past few years. The critical success and the commercial success of the games that they've been making, that has given us permission to invest heavily in content creation. We're growing our studios organically, and we're going through acquisition. We acquired five studios during the course of 2021. We're in discussions with Bungie, uh, as of course that deal hasn't like properly closed, uh, mm. and we have more planned. This is getting us into a cycle, a virtuous cycle, where success begets success. Um, so the idea here basically is that as long as PlayStation keeps acquiring studios that are doing well, they can acquire more studios that will hopefully continue to do well and and fill up the, the calendar of things. Uh, no hints at who they're acquiring. I know that if you are logged into Twitter or Reddit or anything, you have probably seen a million acquisition rumors flying around. Uh, just don't put stock into any specifics mm-hmm. until it's announced officially. Um, especially because I think as you've seen, probably the thing that leaks the least is specifics of who gets acquired. Um like we've seen with the surprise of Bungie and the the Activision and the Bethesda acquisitions, those have all been pretty big surprises. Um, so he mentioned that, and uh, it's worth also mentioning, I did forget about the UE5 stuff, but Haven Studios, of course, being the most recent acquisition, they're working with Unreal Engine 5, and then some PSVR 2 games are in the works with UE5. Uh, but then Jim Ryan also mentioned, talking to the PlayStation Blog podcast about uh, PlayStation Plus and the additions there, Uh, In terms of what's being offered, because as we mentioned, the library is still unknown, he said that the service will have, quote, all the big names in the service's upcoming library of games. Uh, When asked to get, uh, when asked to name more games set to be available, this is from Eurogamer, uh, Jim Ryan replied that Sony had, quote, massive publisher participation. We have all the big names present. We have big publishers. We have small indie publishers. We have over 200 partners working with us to put their content into PlayStation Plus. So the lineup is going to be really strong. Um, so 
you know, we're still waiting on specifics there. Uh, Jadal 3 you. I don't know if any of this really strikes you as surprising or interesting in any way. I think for me, the only thing there that makes me happy to a certain extent is the idea that they're talking to a wealth of people and that presumably means they're not just going to port over the now library wholesale and then add mm -hmm. a couple games on top. It seems like they are investing and in actually building this library up. Yeah, I think, um, I think to his point, I think, you know, PS Now, I've been diving through the library over the last couple days because I signed up with that last minute, you know, 60 bucks for the PS Now before Sony took it down. Um, so I signed up for a couple years because I was like, why not? I'm going to be invested in the PlayStation ecosystem for a while. Might as well take advantage of this while I can. Um, and honestly, like, the library isn't amazing. It's not like the best library ever but there's still a lot of good stuff in there um i think there's a lot of developers that are already um that are already in the service so i think what he's talking about like that i think it sounds like that they're kind of re-upping with some of those developers so we're going to get more games from specific developers that are in there we'll get more square enix titles we'll get more capcom titles we'll get more sega titles we'll get more of all these different companies it's what it sounds like to me it sounds like it's like all the big names are going to be present. Like a lot of the big names are already present. So I feel like it's, he's hinting at that. We're going to get more from the ones that are there. And then they're also going to be expanding into more indie stuff. I feel like we're going to get a lot more indie stuff in this subscription, which is kind of great um, because I love these. I love game pass for trying out a bunch of indie titles that I just, you know, I was like, I've got 45 minutes to kill this afternoon. Like what can I legitimately play and see if I like, and want to invest more time in, later this weekend. And so I love that for, for services like that. So I'm excited to see what this actually um, brings, what fruit we actually get from this, this PlayStation Now tree. I, I just, just making watched, things up. I just watched no, TikToks yeah. when I have 45 minutes to kill. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kind of the same way. The IGN Slack was going a little insane on Monday because we, they, there was, there was this weird like thing where you could buy PlayStation Now for six months or for $60 for a year. And I was like, okay, well, and that'll and that'll convert over to their like most, you know, best plan. And I was like, you know what? I just said on the show last week that I'm like, I don't really care, but like for this <laughs> price, how could you not? And Half so I kind of did. Yeah, I, yeah, it's re it's really cheap. And so uh, I kind of did the same thing, Jada. We we were talking about it yesterday. Like I I kind of perused around, looked at what was on there, tested the streaming out. I don't mm -hmm. think that's anything I'm I'm gonna really like dive into. Even even when uh, Spartacus is fully revealed, I, the streaming just doesn't really do it for me too, too much. But uh, apparently it works fairly well. Like, it seemed to be working fine for me. But, um, but uh, yeah, it, it's really hard. The, the big conversation right now is like, you know, this versus other services. And it's like, we don't, we don't know, right? The only thing we know about Spartacus is the price. We don't yep. know what the games list is. And it could it could come out and it could be just how it is now, right? Where you're just like, cool, these are 700 games I don't have any interest in playing. Or it could end up being the best, coolest list ever. Like, we'll, we'll see. But either way, I, I guess I'm in. So it, yep. it's made me more excited for it because I was I was pretty like tempered on it. Now now that I've paid the sixty dollars, I'm like, well, I, <laughs> I, I guess I guess I have no choice but to get excited for what's coming because <laughs> now I'm invested in it. So I, I I am excited to see the games list. I think that back catalog is best there for people who are just jumping into an ecosystem as well, mm -hmm. or or really passionate about you know exploring older generations. I do think. 
you know, someone who buys a PS5 for the first time and maybe didn't have a PS4 or things like that, like that middle tier is probably going to be a pretty good value, even for a couple months to dip into things. I think for people like us who are playing games as they come out and are are Mm -hmm. keeping up with releases, I do think it's going to come down to what the cadence of new games they add is. And Jada, to your point, if it is mostly really cool indies that show up there like that that to me is worth it i know that's not worth it for everyone but i do think like the indies are often where you see the coolest experimentation and some of the most original ideas and so to surface those games to a potential audience of several you know dozen million if it succeeds is a really great opportunity that those games might not have otherwise while the wider library is good for like i haven't really bought a lot of games in the past few years or i just got this console I can subscribe to this thing for a bit and play and try out everything and find out what I love. So <laughs> it's, I think it's really going to depend what the, the post launch stuff they put in there is yeah. too. No, I agree. And you know, to Mark's point about like the streaming and stuff, I tested out a couple games. Um, I played a good chunk of the original God of war streaming from PS three, the PS three, like updated version of the original right. Um played through the first couple levels i had no input lag it looks fine like it obviously looks like a ps2 game upscaled to Mm -hmm. a ps3 game that's then being streamed for ps5 so you know take it for what it is (laughs) graphic wise but it it played really well it i really enjoyed re-killing the the hydra on the boat that was uh that was always always a fun memory to dive back into i also forgot like just how different God of War played back then compared mm-hmm. to 2018s. Like I haven't jumped back into the old ones since 2018. And so that was my first foray and it was kind of crazy. And, um, but I really enjoy it. Um, and then I also played a little bit of the Red Dead, um, Red Dead Redemption, um, specifically the Undead Nightmare. Cause I was like, let me just mm-hmm. jump into like, like, I don't remember. I think that was like, it was like a side story. So you could do it at any time if I remember right. Um, but I mean, it looked fine and played well for me there. And that's a big, huge expansive world that I was streaming. Um, so I, I, I'm cautiously optimistic about streaming some of these other PS3 games that are potentially going to get added to the list. Um, definitely, you know, if you guys have PS now, check it out. Let us know what you think in the comments. Let us know if you see different things. I've got really good internet. Like I usually have about 800 megs down on the test and like 40 plus up. Um, so that might be contributing to why it's smoother for me than others, because I know others have talked about having issues, and I'm not saying the service is perfect, but it works for me. So um, let me know in the comments. Yeah, I, I think it'll come down a lot to internet service availability, and I think that's why streaming, yep. to a certain extent, will always be a little bit held back from yep. owning and download. And it's great that most of the consoles, again, it just sucks that the PS3 isn't. Um, but yeah, for the most part, at least downloads being a thing is at least a nice benefit there. But mm-hmm. I just wish it I wish it applied to the PS3. <laughs> yeah, it's tough because I was I was I was the reason Jada played Red Dead is because I, I I was like, you should try it and see what you think of it, because I I that was the one I jumped into. And uh I was like, okay, this is like cool. And I, I'm the same boat. I think I have a terabyte down and like 40 up, something like that. I don't know. Uh Jada, do you have Comcast? Yeah, I have Comcast. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I'm supposed to get like a terabyte down, but it always ends up being like eight hundred right. because oh, the internet sucks. I, th- I think we're legit on the same plan. I think I have, Probably. I think I have a thousand <laughs> down and like 40, 45 up. But yeah. when you do the test, you get like seven, 800, but like, it's, it's really, really good. And my download speeds are super fast and I was playing it and I was like, this is working really well. And yeah, same, like no real input lag. And I'm like, this is really, really cool. And then randomly during a mission, all of a sudden, and I'm on a wired connection right next to my router, all of a sudden it was just like, 
there was just a big spike where it showed up and it was like you're losing a little bit of connection and i'm like uh-oh mm-hmm. and my guy just kept running and i'm like why why and then it and then it went away <laughs> and i was like okay that wasn't so bad but like you don't want that while you're playing a game i was talking to our managing editor a few months back when hitman 3 came to switch and he's oh, like man yeah. i really like hitman but like that is the worst way to play that game because i thought it would be really mm. fun but you know those games are uh, hitman resident evil 7 and control those are all streaming and he's like hitman is this game where you're sneaking up to a guy he's like yeah. and then if all of a sudden the the internet lags for a second he's like all of a sudden i'm running i'm walking up to the guy and running into him because i can't <laughs> stop it and i'm like that's like to always have that in the back of your mind completely kind of kind of ruins the experience for me, that, which is why I'm not too excited. Yeah, <laughs> that no, just totally that's that. a new difficulty level for Hitman. The streaming <laughs> yeah. difficulty. You yeah. just every so often lose control of the guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Ah <laughs> oh, man, that's a, yeah. That that is definitely the worry I think with streaming stuff. I haven't tried them out, but I do think I didn't hear the best things about even playing like Kingdom Hearts on on streaming via the cloud for for the Switch, and that's one of those things where when you get to the harder combat scenarios, you really need to be paying attention because a couple shots and you're dead. Um, and so, yeah, that is definitely a worry. We Again, it is, I think, going to unfortunately vary a lot for people's internet, but hopefully the PS3 streaming in general, they can find ways to improve for, for across the board. But yeah, it is it is a bummer because that library is so, unless they've remastered things, it's so tethered to that generation. Um, I know yep. for Metal Gear fans, that's probably the hardest one pill to swallow because it is just mm-hmm. mgs4 is just there just there on that system and you can't play it yeah. anywhere else and it's just one of those like well if you want to see this whole series go find an old ps3 and a copy of this game um, well and so. i the one of the the big drawback for me for playing red dead uh this will obviously vary between games is when you play a game that's backwards compatible on the systems with ssds right so you get like if you play fallout mm-hmm. new vegas or something like that on your series x right it's kind of forcing the load times to be better because even though that game is not designed to run with an SSD, it's still running on an SSD. So it's like, it's not perfect, but it, it the system itself forces the game to run a little bit better. But with, with the PS3 streaming, there's yeah. nothing the PS5 is doing to make the game run better. So you're not getting any frame rate uh, yep. performance, you know, boosting. And uh, you're getting zero load times improvements, right? Like it, it, it will be identical because it is essentially streaming from a PS3. So there are no like improved load times versus if you popped Red Dead into your Series X, it would load a lot faster. So that was so a Mark, tough pill to swallow. It was like, oh, these load times are a lot longer than I remember. <laughs> so Mark, what you're saying is we're getting the authentic PS3 experience with this uh, streaming for, of the game. For, we're getting for the better or for worse. <laughs> for better or for worse, you're getting the authentic PS3 experience. The power of the cell architecture lives on. It's such a joy. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to use it to play RPGs, right? Because yeah, like yeah. RPGs aren't so latency dependent that like those are the kind of things. And there, there was a lot of great RPGs on that system. So like, I, I think that's mostly what I would use it for. Yeah, this is not. I would. I will not be playing any shooters or like FPS, like anything with multiplayer online. I don't even know if you'd be able to with PS now. To be honest, probably not. If the servers um, are still live, if the servers are still up, I guess. But yeah, but I would. I would not be using the service for any types of the games that require like Twitch, like Twitch reaction speeds and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like I wouldn't play a Souls game on 
on a, via streaming personally, just because right. if there is that hiccup and you die, like you may lose a lot of progress, like at <laughs> least currency related. So, well, um, and that's the, to your point right there. That's an interesting one for what the libraries are going to be like, because they're like, granted, there, there are some games, especially like what's funny is the remasters on the PS3 of old games are some of the things I want to play the most. Um, in addition to the the exclusives that were launched there. But there are a lot of games that did get remastered, like the Dark Souls games, you know, were brought forward that mm -hmm. weren't weren't on PS4 and Xbox One originally. And so like, and, and Demon's Souls obviously was remade. So I wonder what they will and won't put in when it comes to remasters and originals, because cynically, you could fill the library with a bunch of the older versions of games to pad the numbers, but there are the better versions of those games available to people on PS4 and PS5. So like what I I'm curious to see how that all shakes out. Um, like yeah. crash and Spyro. I assume they're not going to put the originals on there. Obviously that's like Activision's choice at the end of the day, I think, but like, I assume they're not going to put those on and are either going to put the remakes or ask you to buy them. So, right. Cause they'll want you to go buy them opposed to being like, they don't want someone to remember and be like, oh, I want to play Spyro and then play a little bit of it and be like, okay, this is fine. Like, I don't feel compelled to buy the remaster versus if you don't get the option, you're like, well, now the only thing I could do is go buy the Reignited Trilogy. And yeah. that's that's how they get you there. <laughs> you should play because the Reignited Trilogy is wonderful. And even though Toys for Bob is going to be owned by Xbox, I just want them to make more games because they are such an inventive studio. And I don't want them to be Call of Duty support for the rest of their lives. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, moving on from there, I do want to, I guess, ask you, we could just, you know, discuss the run of show on air. We're a bit, little bit later in the show, as we joked about in our uh, planning mm -hmm. meeting. We we can get a lot out of stories we don't think we'll, we'll get a lot out of. Do you all want to table the PS5 debate for next week and then just talk about what we've been playing? Or do you want to dig into debating the PS5 game? How, how many minutes are we at? We're at 50 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Time flew. Yeah, let's just, let's just, we can just talk about what games we've been playing. I'm fine with that. Uh, well, I guess to paraphrase Jimmy Kimmel and apologies to Matt Damon, but apologies to the best PS5 games list. We'll debate you next week, I guess. And now I have to change <laughs> the art for the show. Uh, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about what we're playing because we haven't had time to do that in the last couple of weeks uh, when there was a lot of breaking big PlayStation news. Uh, and there's a few yeah. things we've all been playing uh, and then a few things we've each individually been playing. I do want to start with, I think, one of the bigger releases um, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands that we didn't get to talk about when it came out. Uh, I know we've all three been playing to, to various degrees. Um, uh, I probably have played the least at this point because I haven't had a lot of time in the last week, but uh, it sounds like you both had put more time in. So I'll, I'll start with both of you. Uh, Jada, I'll start from, from your side of things. How have you been enjoying Tiny Tina's? Uh, you know what? I'm not as hot on it as I was hoping I would be. Um, and I know that's that may be a little controversial for all the people out there that are loving the game. I think it's a great game. I think it's very solid. Um, I think it played it it's plays it a little too safe, at least with how far I've gone in for breaking away from the Borderlands formula. Um, I've loved all the Borderlands games that have come out. Um, and so I was really excited when they announced this one. I was like, cool, this looks like it's straight D D, which is the whole storyline. Um, I was really hoping that it was going to be more melee and magic focused, and it's still very gun focused, which is fine. It's there. It's in Borderlands DNA to not step away from guns. Granted, like pistols are generally like crossbows, and they have like all types mm -hmm. of other different crazy, more medieval versions of guns. Um, but I was really hoping that the melee combat was going to be like something new, something more improved than just like a empowered strikes and stuff like that for your melee, and just more 
abilities added to your basic melee. Um, but I love the magic. The magic is so creative. It's amazing in this game. I ran, I'm running a spell shot. I instantly got rid of the, um, the polymorph ability. Uh, polymorph is great, but with spell shots, other class ability, you can equip two spells at once. Um, so I literally have like a earthquake that I send across the ground and I have a thunderbolt that has like a lightning bolt that has like four charges. So it's never not on off cooldown. Like I literally can just lightning strike. I don't generally have to fire my gun, um, mm -hmm. which is my favorite times when I'm playing these, this game is like when I don't have to shoot my gun and I can just use magic. It's great. Um, and so like, I'm probably, I think maybe like 30, 40% through the story. Um, I really love the voice acting. I think the, 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 the voice actors are doing a really good job. Andy Samberg, Wanda Sykes, Will Arnett are all amazing added to the universe. I kind of wish we'd have gotten an opposite Ashley Birch, who's DMing the campaign. Um, mm. I, I wish that we had kind of a blend of the old school Borderlands where each character had their own voice actor instead of like, you're just this kind of unknown character. You're like, you're this creative character. You are your character. Um, Cause I miss having that kind of like authenticity in the character. I would have loved, like this was the first game I was like, before they announced the creative character and not being voiced by specific people. This was the first game where I was going to be like, I'm I'm going to play a non-Siren type class because I want to play as Andy Samberg because I think he's just hilarious a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, I would, I'm all in for 50 plus hours of just Andy Samberg, like riffing on random stupid things in the Borderlands world. Um, and so, but uh, they, they changed it. So, and like, he still pops up a lot with a lot of voice lines, but it's just not what I was hoping for. And I've known this for a while, but I'm still enjoying the banter that we do get. Yeah, well, they're they're essentially just not really in the game at all. Like they're yeah. they're there just for commentary. They don't show up in the world. They they're only there to comment on what you're doing and then say like funny lines, right? Yep. Um, which was which was a little bit of a surprise to me at the beginning. I thought that uh, you're like, oh, if you do multiplayer, but that like wouldn't make sense. Everybody would be playing their own characters. So, yeah, they're they're there just to exist as like. I don't know, kind of your voice. Your character does talk, but doesn't have as much to say as they do. Um, yeah. But like you said, like they're really, really good. Yeah, yeah. They that was definitely like to your point, Jada. I knew that going in, I guess to a certain extent, because you knew you would be a character creator. But yeah, I kind mm -hmm. of just for some reason thought, and maybe it's just on me for not looking at the the footage enough. But I always thought like, yeah, they'll probably be like companions that go with you on mm -hmm. on quests and things. But yeah, to to both of what you're saying, they're just very funny extra commentators to i think give tiny tina people to bounce off of in the conversation um and yeah yeah like i understand the the trade-off there because it is so dnd focused and letting you have your your character creation be such a, a part of it uh i'm running right now it's a mix of graveborn and uh the one with the hammer class i forget what it's called but um uh, I, I basically i can throw the, a hammer and i have is a it the berserker no, no. Um, I have a wyvern companion, and then I have a companion from the Graveborn class. So I have these basically just two flying friends with me the whole time, mm. just mm. also adding to the chatter or squawking in the case of the wyvern. Um, mm. But yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm still very early on, but I also completely skipped Borderlands Three. So being in this universe and like playing this type of game has not been a thing I've done in like a decade, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Which which has changed it, I think, a little bit for me. I 
I am liking the, I, I think, like, JD, you hit the nail on the head. The spell stuff is so fun that it makes the gun stuff way less interesting mm -hmm. to me. I, like, man, calling in Firebot, like, I'm playing co-op uh, split screen with my, my partner, and yeah, like... I'm calling in firebombs while she's throwing ice out and then my yeah. wyvern is attacking someone else and then I throw a hammer that's dealing electricity damage all around guys while she's, um, you know, putting out a spinning giant knife. Like, all of that chaos going on is so fun and cool that I sometimes forget I need to use my gun. <laughs> yeah, well, and like, I, gotta, I, mean, I gotta... You don't need to use it if you don't yeah. need it. <laughs> I don't use my gun almost ever. You can yeah. you can get recharges going and yeah you you basically yeah. they become non-functional to an extent. Yeah, yeah, like I had a I have like I had a I got a legendary sword that uh shot like fire waves out when every time I attacked with it, so it became a ranged melee and then also every attack hit would recharge my cooldown on my spells. So like mm -hmm. I was like I really don't need to shoot while I'm using this weapon, which is pretty great. So Yeah. yeah. I, th I think me and Jada are kind of running similar builds. I'm I'm the same. I have the spell shot with two abilities. My L1 is the lightning attack that has like three charges. So it's like always around. And my mm -hmm. R1 is the ice ability that hits them and then bounces between all of them. Oh, and cool. that has like two or three charges. And so you are, you're just kind of like bouncing between the two. And what's cool about the ice attack is even if you hit like the ground, it'll bounce and hit a guy. Cause what's fun about the game is it gets so chaotic that sometimes you're like, I don't know where anybody is. And so the lightning and the ice attacks, they find the enemies for you luckily. Yeah. So it, it makes for this like very chaotic, but still manageable combat system. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I'm I'm liking it quite a bit. I I there there are two things about this game that are making me like it a lot. For one is I really like the South Park games, and that's kind of what this is. You're yeah. not playing D and D. You're playing a game where people are playing D and D, right? So you'll have yeah. little gags like I I need to I need to walk through this area and there's like a cheeto on the board right and so she makes it part of the game that's not a cheeto it's a meteorite and that's kind of that's a lot how like stick of truth is right where it's like yep. it's 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 kids making do with what they have to like give you this experience so you're you're kind of removed from the seriousness of what the game could be right um also and and i i don't think this is controversial i think we all know this by now but ghostwire tokyo's combat didn't feel great and it's not that fun but i played ghostwire tokyo for work so i had to play it a lot so then getting mm -hmm. to just casually play tiny tina i'm like oh my gosh this could be the best game ever made and it's only because it's one of those like comparison <laughs> things where i'm like contrast i'm like oh my god the combat feels so good the second i got into the game i like i moved my gun and i'm like this is what it's supposed to feel like. This is so <laughs> smooth. It's so good. Um, but Dornbush, I would very, very much implore you to go back and play Borderlands 3 after mm -hmm. if you have free time and you uh, get finished with this game. Only because it's like Borderlands 3 is 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 a really special game. It's a lot longer. It's very long um, compared to this game. but uh, and, it, and it's structured different, right? Like it doesn't have that open world. Yeah. Um, but uh, what... Well, Sorry, it, overworld. It does, but it does have yeah, it an have open world. It doesn't it's not have the an overworld yeah. that that connects you to places. In this, it, it's the same exact system, but you're 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 manually traveling traveling to those areas, um, versus uh, versus you know you moving a game piece. She um, be running no, around a board. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But no, I I like the game a lot. I'm having a lot more fun with it than 
than I was at the beginning, only because I leaned into the magic more. And I was like, yeah. oh, this is like where the game shines. And I actually started over um, because of that. I was playing as just a normal, like like in Borderlands 3, I played as Moe's, which is just your normal like gun and explosion character. And so in this, I was playing as, I don't remember, one of the basic just gun characters. And I was like, nah, I don't like this. And I completely started over and I was like, I like this a lot better. But yeah, I'm liking the game quite a bit. Nice. Yeah, it is. Um, it's yeah, and then as mentioned, like it's just really funny. It's really cleverly written, yeah. and um, both those voice actors um that that are overseeing things with Ashley Burgess, Andy Tina, and and Wanda Sykes, and uh, I keep wanting to say Peralta, Andy Samberg, uh, are <laughs> all so great. But there's a lot of really clever uh quest lines and things that I don't want to spoil mm-hmm. for people. But yeah, there's mm-hmm. there's really really fun stuff, which is a Borderlands staple, and I'm I'm, I'm glad it's here in this one. Um, I do want to also jump into just because it's uh, probably the most recent release. Obviously, uh, there's, of course, MLB The Show just came out. Uh, none of us have gotten to play it. I actually don't know anyone on staff who has been able to jump in just yet. No one was playing Early Access that I'm aware of. Um, so we'll per- perhaps in the coming weeks be able to grab someone who has. But uh, just in terms of play availability, there was none for this week. Uh, I did just want to briefly mention that I have been playing a little bit of Lego Star Wars. Uh, Me too. I'm only- Nice. I'm only a few hours in. I really love the Lego games. Mark, I don't know how you are on the Lego games in general, but um I've I've never beaten any of them. I've gotcha. played them, but mm. I'm enjoying this one. <laughs> yeah. They really speak to the, the like platformer collectathon part of my brain, and this one is almost dauntingly so. Like I was two hours into episode one's section of the game, and it was like, you've completed four percent of this yeah. part of the game, which is 0.72% uh, of the entire game. I was like, oh my God, I'm just, this is, this is my Elden Ring. Okay. Um, yeah. it, it's it huge. Falls, it falls into that trapping of, uh, of your, your, there's, there's puzzles and stuff to figure out, but also there's a lot of, there's a lot of like just things to punch yes. that give you mm-hmm. stuff. And I, I've kind yep. of like made this internal decision. Look, Mark, you're never gonna hundred percent this game. You, <laughs> you don't really care to. I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get through it because I just, I don't. I think, I think if I do what you're doing, and I'm like, I'm two hours in, and I'm still on like the first episode. I think I'll, I'll, I think I'll fall off. <laughs> so, yeah, I, but I'm I think if, it. it's really funny. If that is something that you love to do, I do think this is probably like obviously it's been a few years since they put out a Lego game, and I think this is probably one of the best examples of that engaging collectathon angle that mm-hmm. they've done. Um, I mm-hmm. think for me, probably the last one to grab me like this was Lego Marvel Superheroes one. Um, not that there haven't been other good ones since, but I think that was the last like really truly great one for me. Uh, but this one's a lot of fun. It it is very charming, very funny, like exactly what you'd expect from a Lego game. Um, it's uh, it, it is a bit more. I guess ambitious, not just in scope, but in terms of what they've done with moving the camera angle down and and having it be a little bit more behind the back third person action, like some light combo attack stuff in there. It is not, you know, suddenly a a platinum games action game, but it is definitely a bit more involved than than Lego games have been in the past. Um, It's really fun. Again, this is a game where we also learned, of course, that there have been uh, reportedly really big crunch problems. And I hope that the, you know, the Telltale teams can work through that for the next games, whether it's engine Traveler's switching. Tale, right? uh, yes, yeah. thank you. Thank you. The tail, mm-hmm. the TT always messes me up. Thank you. I know, same the, here. 
though i guess two companies with tt as their initials that had crunch problems um yeah i do hope that they're able to solve that stuff going forward this is clearly a very like well-made really well executed game it should not come at the expense of people's lives especially for something that is some so i think in exciting and enjoyable and like fun in its personality um it's it's such a bummer to hear those stories always and i think such a frustration to hear because you can see the excellent work on display but it should not come at the cost of people's livelihood so i hope that can change at the studio i hope that can be corrected um but they did like clearly the work that they did put into this it, it really has i think evolved the lego work that they've done and i'm curious to see where they go from here because this is probably the the biggest gap in between games that they've done um, you know, yeah, it's, well, it's, the, it's, this game very famously has been in development for quite for a, a while. A while. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got to see this at E3 back when E3 was a thing. So, like, that can just tell you, like, that's how long it's been uh, since we, since it, how long it took to develop. It's just crazy. Um, I hadn't seen really much on it until, like, this last, like, year and a half. But before that last exposure was at an E3 getting to get some, like, I don't even remember if it was hands-on. I think it was hands-off at that time. Yeah, uh, that last show I got to check it out, which was just kind of crazy. I think Simon Cardi did a preview for us at the time and was like, "Yeah, this is really, really exciting if they like if they pull it off." And then, yeah, it was three years of like, "What's happened?" And and obviously, mm-hmm. we've heard unfortunately about some of the alleged problems there. But yeah, it's um, it, it is definitely something that I'm curious to see what they go through next time in in terms of uh, smoothing out the the development process for for something like this. Um, yeah, but. Other than that, I do have a, a another game to talk about, but Jada, I'm going to throw it back to you, uh, and mm-hmm. then and then Mark will jump to you after that. Uh, Jada, what's another thing you want to highlight that you've been playing? Uh, so I'll do a quick one, real quick, so we can jump back. Um, I played through Maquette finally. Um, cool little puzzle indie game. Um, it's a it's a kind of a, a gut wrenching story. Um, it's really happy at the end and not so happy towards the end, or really happy at the beginning and not so happy towards the end. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's uh, it was it was enjoyable. It was a cool little one to two day um, playthrough in platinum. Um, I think I spent probably like maybe seven to eight hours between two days uh, playing through it and then uh, speed running it in like another like less than an hour to speed run it for all the, the final trophies, um, which was pretty cool because uh, it was really just about like mastering the how fast you can do stuff, something. It wasn't about like, hey, you got to figure out how to solve this puzzle because it changes every time. It's like, no, the puzzle's the exact same every time. You just have to be really fast and really just maximize your time and your roots. Um, and so it was kind of it was kind of great. Um, I really enjoyed it and I definitely, you know, urge other people to give it a shot if you got it if you claimed it back when it was free in the ps plus uh library one of those months like a year ago i think um and we were talking yesterday about it because i was bringing it up they added a chapter select so for those of you this is my trophy tip for you guys today this week i'm (laughs) gonna squeeze it in there if you have played maquette and you were frustrated about trying to get the platinum because there was no chapter selected it previously which i learned yesterday um they have added a very easy chapter select all you have to do is pause the game and you can skip to chapter whatever chapter you want out of the seven or eight chapters that are in the game no need to play through a bunch of levels to get to that like sixth level that i think it's like the fourth or fifth level you have like nine and a half minutes so if you miss it and having to go back through for that nine and a half minute that that would be painful and i can understand why people wouldn't want to do that back in the day um Mm -hmm. so i'm happy that it's here and yeah 
Yeah, if you're if you're misremembering like I was, uh, there was a chapter select when it first released on PlayStation, mm. but it was a weird dev thing where you had to like hold left on the D pad and push L one like five times. So it's it's very awesome to hear that they they patched it in. I liked this game a lot when I played it. Bryce Dallas Howard does a a great job. She you know she, she uh, voices the main character. Um, it doesn't quite have that portal like aha moment sometimes mm-hmm. oh look at that wow the b-roll you can't ask <laughs> for better perfect um, timing <laughs> um it doesn't quite have that uh and i guess also like the witness it doesn't have that like quite aha moment to it sometimes you're like wait what is what is the answer to this puzzle and then you solve it and you're like oh well that's dumb that's i wouldn't have yeah it wasn't or, clear like, at all you like, know yeah. <laughs> but uh for the most part i think the game's pretty clever uh i i liked it a lot i feel like yeah. the puzzles really shine at the tail end of the game as well Mm-hmm. yeah i think there's like a moment where you're sort of waiting for like what's the extra layer to it and there's there's not necessarily uh but yeah, yeah I, I think on the whole there's a lot of really great puzzles in there that are are super fun to solve i will also say really good soundtrack it's um yeah. uh, of licensed songs uh that mm-hmm. are really really good in there um yeah. so yeah that is that is a good one to recommend uh mark anything else that you want to shout out in particular yeah i don't have a ton to say about it but i i dipped my toes in a weird west and i've been playing that uh it's a it's a fun game it's it's uh if you look at the trailers and you think oh this is gonna be a fun like twick twin stick shooter to play it is not that this is uh (laughs) this is more like fallout one fallout two you know strategy Mm -hmm. kind of like you're you're making a lot of decisions on on how to approach combat if you try to go in just guns blazing in every scenario like that's unless you're playing on I don't even think story. you're playing on There's easy. A... Like I, I think eventually it will still kind of like come back to bite you. Like that, you have to use a little bit of strategy here. There's a lot of systems at play when it comes to, um, you know, relationships with towns and stuff like that. Uh, anybody's killable in the game, so mm-hmm. you know, friendly fire is always on. Um, but uh, you know, time has a lot to do with stuff. You'll get a quest that you'll have a day or so, but like as you travel to places, it'll tell you like. Uh, it's going to take you five hours to get there, even though in mm-hmm. game, you know, it's only taking you a few seconds. So those are kind of things you have to manage where you're like, wait, do I want to go back and do this like bounty? Because uh, I this side quest only has, you know, six hours for me, you know. So basically what I'm saying is, is this is very nerdy and it's very <laughs> uh, it's very it, it gets very complicated, but it's a very fun game that I'm liking a lot. And uh, the the style of it is just very, very cool. Um I really like Fallout 1 and 2, and this is just more of an action version of those games, uh, but with that same style of gameplay. So if you're interested in Weird West, um, I would recommend watching like the review so that way you know what you're getting into. You're not, you're not, it's not a very easy game, even if you're playing on easy. Um, but there are things you can do to make it a little bit more uh, manageable. But uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. And uh, I urge people to check it out if it's their thing. <laughs> it's yeah, a... I... Go ahead. Go ahead, Jane. I was going to say, yeah, I've been, I dipped my toes into it. I got a couple hours into it. It's uh, I, I think my favorite thing is just how many different options you have for taking on encounters. Like yeah. you can grab barrels and chuck barrels across the map to, not maybe across the map, but a good distance to right. kind of set up like oil traps and then throw a fire lantern to light a whole group of enemies on fire immediately. Um, you can, you know, get enemies to throw explosives near their allies by doing, you know, having weird setups and stuff like that. Um, I'm playing on the hardest difficulty, so I have to kind of like really use all the things as expected. What? 
I know, surprising, Jada. right? Why? It's not a game. I, I, I had a little bit of <laughs> a Jada moment. I, I'm playing Tiny Tina on the hardest difficulty because I found <laughs> I found the medium difficulty to be a little too easy. Weird West is not a it's not a game that I'm interested in getting that deep into. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's definitely I, it's definitely one of those ones where it's like I probably should have played on the like just on the one difficult one notch easier than the hardest mm -hmm. difficulty because it's uh it's very there's a lot of state, state saving and a lot of uh, reloading of my save files because I accidentally do something and I'm like, oh, well, this ruins everything because I accidentally hit R2 when I picked up my controller and I just shot somebody. Um, yeah, that whole <laughs> Skyrim Fallout approach, the game actually, like, in the tooltips recommends, it's like, yep. hey, we have a quick save, so if you want to try something, quick yep. save before you do it because there's a, there's a chance it could not work out. So like, yeah, the so game it's, is it's very really like for, nice about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very great for experimentation. So if you like tackling fights and stuff in weird ways, like this is a good game for just having fun and exploring it and figuring things out randomly. Yeah, and it, it comes from X uh, Dishonored dev uh, yep. lineage. Mm. So yeah, that definitely plays into that there. So that, tracks. that may also help in terms of decision making if it's a game for you. Mm -hmm. Um. Before we wrap up on games we're playing, I did just want to also shout out, I've been playing, I do play it all the time, but I'm really, really into the Fortnite uh, new season because it has no building options. Uh, for the first week or so of the game, it was no building entirely, and now they've put it in where essentially you can choose to play matches, either zero build, they call it, or with, you know, normal building in there. Um I'm someone who weirdly, I wish there was a middle ground because I like building up until the end, but if it gets down to the top 10 and it's me against nine builders, I just have no chance and it's just, it's just over. So at least like the, the zero build mode puts it at a more even playing field. If that's a skill you can't adapt to, you just need to, you know, be good at the shooting and, and traversal. And what's nice is they have added in more traversal. So you're able to, uh, mantle up to different stories you're able to like jump onto a roof and kind of climb up it um or onto second stories if you shoot out you know a floor uh sliding which was introduced last season is in there now and it is really helpful to use um there's just and there's even like a roadie run sprint in there uh it's way more mobile and i really like that because i do think it adds a ton to the the combat scenarios right now uh especially because there are uh on the map there are big vehicles there are normally cars that you can drive and boast but now there are also big tanks and you can even drive a couple battle buses that are on the map uh that have turrets in them so you can get into really chaotic matches where it's like a tank versus a battle bus and like four people on the ground with uh, like rocket launchers that specifically hurt those uh, those vehicles or, you know, you get like thermal weapons to be able to find the, the people on the turret and get them individually. Uh, it's really fun and chaotic in a different way than the usual Fortnite stuff. So like if uh, if Fortnite building was a, a thing that pushed you out of that game, I'd recommend jumping in and seeing if this flavor of it works for you. Can you still um, like destroy buildings and stuff? You can still destroy everything. Yeah. It just Got it. you just don't it, get materials. Yeah, the material just doesn't get counted for anything, which is funny because there there are weird things where like you can go uh to a vending machine and there's like broken vending machines and they give you a random item and because it's still existing in both worlds, I think like the vending machine will sometimes give you building materials even though you can't use them, which is a little <laughs> silly. Mm. Um I don't know if that's been patched since I last played, but yeah, you're pretty much like so you can 
you know, if you want to get up to a second story of a building and you're in the building, you can shoot out the the ceiling and then just mantle up to that rather than having to like build a ramp mm. to get up it. Um, so it's it is a lot more about just getting into the thick of combat and you know doing missions. Missions, especially if you've taken a big break from Fortnite, have become a way bigger part of it because there's NPCs on the map that was introduced a few seasons back who will also give you things to do. Um, there's Right now, essentially, the like meta narrative is that two sides are at war, uh, and so you're kind of doing things to help one side against the other, and depending on what territory you're in, some enemies might attack you and, and others are allies. Um, it's really cool. It is still very much Fortnite at the core. It is still, you know, drop down on the island, fight 99 other people, collect the weapons and, and, and items and unlock the chest that you're used to, but I think it's a really, really fun flavor of it. I'm, I'm really liking it right now. Um, I'll be interested to see it. how like the how the numbers kind of pan out over time with, between the yeah. two modes because I know they're like that's probably the building was always my least favorite thing about that BR because I just don't like the fact that I shoot somebody in the back once and they turn into the Empire State Building like that just didn't make <laughs> sense to me because they like, turn into a three story hotel that doesn't offer free checkout <laughs> it just, yeah it's just it's so ridiculous and like I'm not knocking that playstyle because there it takes a lot of practice to get that good to build really fast but I yeah. played I don't know maybe an hour or two of it when it for early on into its lifespan after they converted to pure BR um and i was just like this is not fun like i just don't like it like i can build and stuff like that and do that and i want a match or two but it's just like it's like it's just too slow paced for me because of the building stuff um yeah. it just extends fights way too long so um but yeah i'm happy that they're you know evolving and it sounds like they're they're just constantly taking more and more stuff from my my beloved apex which is great <laughs> um you know and <laughs> hey you know what they you know it's uh you know Competition drives innovation. So. I've never heard Fortnite be accused of taking something that existed elsewhere. What? I know, right? I mean, <laughs> um, I don't have all these character crossovers or anything. <laughs> well, at least that's, you know, official, but yeah. Um, no, yeah. it's it's definitely, I think, learning from the competition in good ways. And I think at the end of yep. the day, it's like, if you love the building, that option is still there. I, I'm like, yep. you, I would love, and they probably won't tell people if it looks bad, like if, if suddenly no one is playing the building version, I imagine people still will. But if it's like an 80-20 split, that probably doesn't look great because building has been such a fundamental part of Fortnite. Mm -hmm. But I would love to know what the current split is of people choosing zero build versus the 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 sort of standard flavor. Of I'm going to go get hired at Epic just so I can get this in for side information. leak those numbers to I'll me. Be back. Yeah. I, bet, I'll be back. I bet it wouldn't even be a thing where it's like, oh, look, they've had building for all these years, and it turns out nobody ever wanted that. I think it's just because it's like they've had building for all these years, and now you're getting to play the game a different way. I think, it'd be the, yeah. I think it would be the opposite, right? If, if it had gotten as big as it was just without the building, and then all of a sudden they're like, hey, remember that mode in Save, uh, you know, in Save the World where you could build? Now we're adding building to the Battle Royale. I think you'd it'd be a different it'd be the yeah. you would just see it on the other side all of a sudden everybody would be playing to play the building mode so i think it's just trying something new you know no yeah it's the same with warzone like people love verdansk but then when they when when it was limited and they would be like here's rebirth island everybody's playing rebirth island it's not because people don't love verdansk it's just because because it's new yeah, yep. I, I think it'll even out to, to a certain degree uh, and, and depend on just what people are interested in trying out. Like, I'm sure I'll go back into some build modes, but for now, it's it's really fun to just be in, in the, the combat of it or, like, be sneaky and try to just pick off people as I'm going through or, or just complete mm -hmm. missions for a match and not have to worry that if I can't build a metallic 
you know, magnum opus of a structure, I'm just going to lose. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's been really fun. I really recommend it. If you bounced off of Fortnite, if Fortnite's just not your thing and that type of gameplay isn't, it's probably not going to change your mind, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a fun thing. So my hot tip this week is try that small game Fortnite out, I guess. Yeah. Anyway. Little game developer that could. Hopefully one day it gets big. <laughs> uh, anyway, from there, uh, I did want to, of course, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, please write in with your memory card stories. Um, a lot of people were writing in with wonderful ones um, as we got into a crazy time of the pandemic and then the email snafu happened. So please write in with those stories. I would love to share those on the show. Uh, there were so many great you know, PlayStation and gaming memories that we were getting from people. And I'd love to, to share them on the show each week here. Uh, and I also know that, uh, I need to get a couple out of both of you. So at some point, I'm not going to put you on the spot now, but look forward to sharing stories and getting emotional with me on the show. I'll get emotional was, right now. Go ahead. Go one for One time when I was a kid. No, <laughs> go, go for ahead. It. Not me. I was born an adult. <laughs> <laughs> Never a kid. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, we. I really love uh, stories. There have been some really funny ones too. It doesn't have to be sad. It doesn't have to be melancholy. It can be funny. It can be silly. It can just be, uh, oh, this was a really great memory for me. It can be whatever sort of flavor you want to throw in. Um, and, and would love to bring those back. I also am mulling over some game show ideas to bring back to the show, uh, mostly because uh, before you two were on, I used to do a thing called Trophy Test, uh, where I would make up fake trophies and have the panel guess which was the real one and which was the fake one. I feel like I would be at a disadvantage, but I, I, I like the idea of this. I like this <laughs> well, idea of having another crown that I could add to my, like my trophy lists. So I, I really like doing it not only cause it let me do a lot of puns, but I do think, especially between the two of you of Mark having a lot of trophy experience and Jada still being very invested in trophies. I do think there's a funny dynamic there. The problem was with, uh, when it was uh, Lucy, Brian, and Max on the show every week, they didn't care about trophies. And so my puns just went, uh, you know, they just didn't care about what the answer was. But I think there could be some funny ones to do. So I may try to bring back a flavor of that or another sort of PlayStation-style show. So might ask for uh, community submissions in the future on that. But uh, I think that's that's going to pretty much wrap us up for this week's episode of Podcast Beyond. Uh, Mark and Jada, thank you so much for joining me for this week's fun episode. And thank you to our producer, Red, for making the show happen. Coming in with the clutch B-roll all the time, even for things Mm -hmm. we did not prepare you for. Uh, Thank you so much for making the show happen. And thank you to everyone out there for listening and watching. Remember, if you want to write in uh, for our various things that I've asked for, or just in general for comments and questions, please write in to beyond at IGN.com. It works now. That's about going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you you so much. If you say it enough, (laughs) maybe I'll believe you. It's real, not, I promise. I'm not there yet. <laughs> it's gonna happen. We're gonna get at least one email this week. I, I'm banking on it. Anyway, yeah. thank you so much for everyone for tuning in for this week's episode. We hope you're doing well. We hope you're staying safe. And as always, beyond. 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 Welcome. You've got a digital Monsters lurk in the shadowy corners of the internet. Our darkest fears peer back at us from the depths of the web. We can all... Hey, holy... Hey, Linda Blair. Are you all right? No. Can we maybe do this a different tone? 
Hey there, I'm Perry Carpenter. And I'm Mason Amadeus. On our podcast, Digital Folklore, we explore monsters, memes, and everything in between. Looking at our digital expressions through the lens of folklore, we break down the stories and communities we create online. And we try to make it a lot of fun. The show is presented in an audio drama style with a narrative and soundscape that's designed to draw you in. We weave insightful research and expert interviews with humor and storytelling. Come check it out. Search Digital Folklore wherever you get your podcasts.